0: Welcome to a new version of the Buddy Martin Show. This, of course, the best Friday in football. I'm glad to be with you today. Hope you folks are getting ready with me for the football season. I want to take a minute before we introduce Urban Meyer, getting started on his podcast, which we'll have every Friday. Big news coming next week. We're going to expand this to include another guy you might have heard of, Terry Bradshaw. Best Friday in football, Urban Meyer podcast, Terry Bradshaw. Show going to be coming your way soon. Meanwhile, the cover of Gator Bait, which is just out, Advantage Gators. There he is, Kyle Trask. Very fine story by Franz Beard, columnist, senior columnist on why Florida has a big advantage. You're not guessing who their quarterback's going to be. They got two, and in today's world, you need two, and they've got them. Emory Jones and number 11. This picture, Kyle Trask. Don't miss this issue. It's top notch, and if you're not a member, Log on to GatorBaitMedia.com Find out how you you can get this And other great stories And and lots of things on The University of Florida Sports By becoming a member Of GatorBaitMedia.com In just a moment Urban Meyer on the podcast He had some interesting things to say About what's going on with The commissioner of the Big Ten Talk about a guy under the gun Kevin Warren is it Urban has an opinion about that Also, big kudos to Greg Sankey. I'll talk to you about that in a moment. i tell you the story of the week for me has been whoever this person is a biostatistician is at South Carolina that Greg Sankey talked about advising him to take his time, get all the information you can get before you make your decision. Right now, Greg Sankey looks like a Phi Beta Kappa. I won't say what some of the others do. We're still hearing stories about Big 10, will they play? Uh, we'll talk about it with Urban. Look, uh, the school up north, which is what he calls Michigan, Jim Harbaugh is telling his players to get ready for the season. Hmm. Meanwhile, I just saw a story where the commissioner of the Big of the Pac-12, Larry Scott, whose name is Mud out there on the West Coast, uh, is basically making uh, little subtle suggestions they're going to try to play in the, in the spring and maybe in the late fall. All of a sudden, this whole thing has changed. The landscape of college football is a whole lot different than what it was a couple of months ago. And again, we'll see who the smart one is because you never know about this COVID, what's going to happen. But let's just say right now, advantage of Greg Sankey and the SEC. And later on, I'll tell you about this is going to be one of my favorite seasons. After the podcast at Urban, I'm going to tell you, my two-minute warning today is basically my dream has come true for the Super Conference, except in fact, it's only one right now. I've always dreamed of having this kind of football, SEC football wall-to-wall. My goodness, what would you want more than that? Terrific. So we'll talk about that. I want to thank the people making this program possible, This best Friday in football. Appreciate it very much the Gator Bait Lighthouse Builders, the Ocala Quarterback Club, Renstar Medical Research, and Jeffrey Meldon-Law. So University of Florida announces protocols. We'll talk about that. What you can do, 17,000 in the swamp. I hope they let them pipe in that. We are the boys and uh, don't back down uh, music, which would be really great if they did. The big talk of the week was Jamie Newman opting out. Who is JT Daniels? Urban talks about that as well. Uh, and uh, a lot more coming your way today on the program. Uh, with Urban, we're going to visit him in just about 30 seconds. He's in Ohio doing a benefit for the Tim Tebow Organization. Busy man, a lot going on. Says their show starts on Fox a week from tomorrow, the Big Noon Show. So let's see if we can dial up our podcast with urban meyer and we will let you hear what he had to say Mm. well it's week six already on the urban meyer podcast on the best fridays in football yahoo best fridays in football a name that coach meyer came up with himself I'm going to ask him to tell us about that in just a minute. But I want to thank, first of all, people making this program possible in this podcast. Good folks at Gatorbait Lighthouse Builders, Ocala Quarterback Club, Jeffrey Meldon Law, and Renstar Medical Research, by your old friend, by the way, Joe Sorrentino. So, Urban, hello, how are you? Good to talk to you again. And, uh, uh, boy, it's been an eventful time. Uh, and all the goings on, and here we are in football season. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I just, uh, I'm like you. I, I'm anxious to watch the SEC, ACC, and Big Twelve to play, and and hopefully the Big Ten revisits uh, uh, revisits this uh, decision that was made, and we get the guys out on the field that deserve to play. Is that going to
0: happen, Urban?
1: Oh, I, you know, I don't know. Um, obviously I don't know her but I think it's being revisited as we speak. I think there's obviously science and technology are changing every second and it all comes down to me to this testing because every everybody is alarmed, which they should be. I mean this is a serious health situation, but the contact tracing would wipe out a football team. If someone tests positive and they do the tracing where if you do get this testing that is on the cutting edge right now, then you could simply just test people, and not have to, you know, sit people down that are, have no symptoms, not even positive, but they had contact with someone who has had the virus. So that's what's going on. All
0: right, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because here on this program, on this the best Fridays in football, we like to celebrate football. We like to also. Break it down, talk a little X and O But just to clarify, as best you can Walk me through this narrative Of what took place When Kevin Warren informed everybody There's no football in the Big Ten Now, the average person looking at this Saying, wait a minute, what's going on here? These guys in the SEC and ACC and Big 12 are, are playing And we're not I know there's other things that go on As best you can, give me that narrative And tell me how we got here
1: well, I, obviously I, I'm here at Ohio state, so I'm very close to the situation. I'm not on a lot of the phone calls, but I do speak to people that are, and the commissioner along with the presidents made a decision to delay the, the start of football and possibly potentially to January at earliest. But, uh, you know, there wasn't much information given out. It w- wasn't as transparent. And I think that's where the, the, the raw emotion took cold. You, you, you had, a uh, player, I think you had $200,000, 200,000 uh, uh, people sign a document saying that they should play or at least be transparent with everything. You had parents having protests, flew to Chicago and went to Indianapolis uh, to, to protest. And you're seeing to me, the only people that really matter in this thing are the student athletes. And I am heartbroken because I know a lot of these kids, I still have great relationships with their families. I recruited most of them And it is absolutely devastating uh, what's happened. So it's amazing to me that you had three conferences say keep playing, or, you know, at worst, move it back a little bit. And you had two conferences pull the plug on it. So it was, it was a, when you talk about raw emotion, because it's such Ryan Day, uh, you know, I can't tell you how hurt he was, not not for himself, but for his players.
0: Urban, Greg Sankey, I mean, he rolled the dice. I heard him on in an interview last week, and this is interesting to me. Again, you're a real critical thinker. You think through things, and I know you'll be interested to hear this if you didn't know it already. Decision-making, of course, is everything. Greg Sankey talked to a biostatistician in South Carolina. And the biostatistician, by the way, a woman, I don't know her name, I wish I did, I'd like to, told him, Wait as long as you can and process everything before you make a critical decision. Right now, that looks like some really smart thinking. I don't know how it will turn out, but I thought that was fascinating. Wait as long as you can, get all the information, and then make your decision. And it turns out it may be a stroke of genius for Greg Sankey. I actually
1: have had conversation with Greg Sankey about it, and I... You know, I'm a little bit biased because I've always had great respect for Greg, and uh, that's exactly what they're doing. They're buying time. The, the players, the student athletes, the coaches are still working. I told people that there is no safer environment that I'm aware of in the Ohio State Athletic Football Facility because they're getting tested twice a week. They have the best doctors that you can get your hands on. Everyone's six feet apart. Everybody's doing the proper uh, social distancing and uh, face uh, wearing masks. And then they pull the plug on, say, so go on home to your communities, which is not safe. Like, uh, So, I, once again, I, I don't want to be too critical because I'm not fully aware, but I believe the way the SEC handled it is
0: the right way. I guess we'll find that out, won't we? For sure. This week, uh, protocols started coming out. And your old school and team, the Florida Gators, and uh, they made their decision on what they're going to do. This probably is pretty similar to what we're going to hear for those schools who are trying to play The Swamp will be at 20% capacity, which is about 17,000. Now, for those who say, wow, that's just not very many, look, it's football. There are people. That's how we have to look at it. In addition, no tailgating on campus, no gator walk. You know what that is? You started it. No gator walk village, no fan fest, no spirit teams. I guess that means chillers on the sideline. So there you go and Scott Strickland saying, we work hand-in-hand with UF Health, the SEC and Medical Guidance Task Force, and campus officials to create the safest environment possible, as you said. And I think that's the key. It's not just who has the best quarterback these days, it's who's got the best medical staff, too, Irvin. It does, and the
1: biggest issue is going to be if someone does test positive, the the tracing part. You know, and that's the big, I could wipe, I don't know if you remember, Buddy, that, when the swine flu, I was the head coach at Ford. I believe it was 2009, and we're getting ready to go play Kentucky, and the swine flu was just passing through our country, and it, it was awful. And I remember everybody was so concerned about it, as we were, and I'm walking in, it's Wednesday after practice, or Thursday, and I see Riley Cooper and Tim Tebow head to the training room. And I start walking behind them, I'm going, oh, no, don't tell me this. And I walk in, I can tell, I look in Tim's eyes, Tim got the swine flu and so did Riley Cooper and so did a bunch of players on our team. And you're going to lose. Kentucky was a good team. We had to go on the road. We took separate planes up there to Lexington. We had quarantined rooms that they had to stay by themselves. They were IV'd to try to get fluid into them. And we did not know that Tim Tebow or Riley Cooper or several other players would even be available to us until getting close to game time. That's how tough that was. Now, this is a much more serious situation uh, Health hazard than uh, uh, than the swine flu, and will it wipe out your team? You know, and if, if I'm telling you right now, if we had those ten players that had it not play,
0: we would not have beat Kentucky. I remember that I was at that game in Lexington that they played, and uh, yeah, I forgot your good friend uh, Dr. Pete and uh, has coached us up on some of these things, and he, like everybody else, is looking for you know to understand this and manage it and. As much as we hate to talk about things like this We want to talk football It's such a big part of the game So let's switch subjects for a second And I want to talk to you about some of the news this week I know you don't get The full frontal assault Of the SEC there in Columbus Or when you're down here in Sarasota But the big story of the week Was Jamie Newman The quarterback who from Wake Forest Who was transferring Graduate transfer to Georgia who was being ranked by some as maybe the best prospect in the league, along with maybe Kyle Trask and others, he opted out to not play football for the George Bulldogs. And I know there were reasons, but this is a big story here because of the obvious rivalry you said one time, you got to win that game, Florida, Georgia, you were in it and you did quite well at it. So did you get that news? And how do you handle something like that? It changed the dynamics of everything for the George Bulldogs.
1: I did get the news. We talked about it on our big noon kickoff with the Reggie Bush, Matt Leiter, uh, and Brady Quinn and Rob Stone and everybody was taken aback. Obviously he's a person. He can make any decision he wants. I don't know what went on into that decision. Uh, But the appearance of it is not good. The appearance is, you know, why would someone do that? Uh, Did he lose his starting spot? You know, to say that he was ready to become a first-round draft pick in the National Football League, uh, I checked, and he's not. Uh, He's certainly a heck of a player, and they say he's a good young man, the whole deal. He had a a nice career before going to Georgia. But, you know, I, I think this is the tip of the iceberg, buddy. I think, you know, from this point forward, We we see people have, after they have a great sophomore year, not play their junior year. You know, we already saw it. People start not playing in bowl games that become draft eligible uh, because they don't want to risk injury. I've had a player, you know, decide to quit playing, even though he could have come back. I think the best player in America that year, Nick Bosa, uh, that maybe could have come back at the end of the year but didn't. And I, once again, I understand it. You're talking about generational money if you're a first-round draft pick. What I don't understand, if you're not, you know, if you're just a uh, someone that needs more experience, someone not quite ready for the NFL, giving up that year. Imagine if Joe Burrow would have left early. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe Burrow, his value went up a thousandfold because he came back and had a great year. So on the appearance, very confusing. Uh, doesn't look good. Uh, I'd love to know the eventuals. Eventually, we'll all hear the exact story of why, why that young man made that decision.
0: Very good point. And I think opting out is the new phrase we're looking up. See, uh, Of course, LSU lost his, uh, his two players, by the way. Um, and that includes uh, their their defensive lineman, uh, Shelvin, who's a, probably a first-round guy. And, of course, their, uh, their star wide receiver, which uh, uh, Jamar Chase, who was going to be a top five. They're not playing. I get that. That's a business decision. On the other hand, Urban... You have these other situations where kids are concerned, mixed up, don't know what to say or do. Uh, Dan Mullen had three wide receivers not show the first day. He was very good about it. He said, I understand their concern. I support their decisions and what have you. But I'm going to put the ball on your court right now. How do you handle this situation if it's you and you've got three of your wide receivers who don't show the first day? They're not, they don't have COVID. I'm not asking you to coach Dan's team. Let's say it was Ohio State. And you say, okay, what does that represent? Can I count on those guys now? Because I know trust is a big thing with you. You've got to be able to know you can count on guys if they're physically ready to go. If you can't, you better have an option What's funny about that, and not funny, what, what's really interesting, first day of practice, I wasn't there, but a friend of mine who passed it along, the first three wide receivers on the field were all kids or youngsters, new recruits. Those guys were not. So if that sends a message, I don't know, but tell me in a coaching standpoint, how you treat something like that.
1: Well, the foundation of a great team, the foundation of a great relationship, the foundation of any organization if it's a quality one is trust and at the end of the day when I saw the Pac-12 release a statement the student-athlete statement saying that they need third-person doctors third persons uh, because they don't trust their doctors they don't trust their coaches and they don't trust the commissioner you know I thought I mean what shot across my mind was how awful that must be to go to work where you don't trust the people you're working with and you know when you, It's never been impor- more imperative in recruiting now to develop recruit players. Because Dan's job is very clear. He's got to win almost every game. I, you know, I remember talking to the athletic director at Ohio State when I first got hired, and my job description is when every game you play at Florida became that. It wasn't when I first got there, but when every game you play. So let's be clear that at Florida, you're not – and no one's apologizing for greatness. You're expected to beat Georgia. You're expected to uh, beat Florida State, beat Tennessee – those are the rivals, and you're expected to win an SEC championship. And you need to do that with the great players. If great players are making decisions that maybe are not the right or right, you have to have that great trust between the coach and the player. I have not spoke to Dan about this. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but once again the appearance is alarming of that. You know why? What is the what is the behind door number two? And here's what I found, buddy, throughout my career, everybody has an opinion. The student athlete and the coach got to be very careful of who they select to put in their circle of trust, because someone's advising. You know, 18, 17, 18, 19-year-olds aren't making those decisions by themselves. Who's making that decision? And uh, that's what I would always try to do in recruiting, and also in these kind of big-time decisions. You know, find out who the people are, and if you got it. You know, a lot of times you got the
0: right people advising you. Unfortunately, a
1: lot sometimes you
0: have the wrong people. Circle back on a couple, Erwin, real quick on the quarterback situation with Jamie. Then, when the guy who's apparently next up, if he passes everything, his physical and, of course, the transfer, is JT Daniels. I know you know about him because you're very familiar with modern day in California and your friend Hiram out there, who used to coach. Uh, now we're seeing that he might have been the guy, maybe the pressure from the – this is all speculation. Pressure that he might win the job, may have factored in. Maybe there was COVID involved. But you look at the numbers and the talent of JT Daniels. I looked these stats up the other day. Did you know, and maybe you did, JT Daniels threw for 290 yards and six touchdowns on his first game as a starter. As a freshman at modern day – he threw 33 touchdown passes as a sophomore, 67. This young man who started off at USC now is going to be a Bulldog is quite a talent. I wonder how he fit in with the Kirby Smart's program.
1: Yeah, I actually watched him play. Uh, he got hurt the game that we were broadcasting. I believe I was actually at the Coliseum watching him play. Uh, elite player. I mean, you're talking about all the tools, getting ready to do the game, I remember watching on videotape, Matt Leinart is very close to that situation too, and they think he's a great player. So, talent will not be an issue. His health, can he hold up uh, with the injury he had, That and obviously a new system. But, you know, is that the reason that the other player left? that—that's. You know, those are all, you just don't know. At some point, we'll probably find out. But there's got to be some reason why uh, Jamie Newman left that program. There does.
0: All right, circling back with Kevin Warren Talk about a guy under the gun He has said, apparently I didn't hear him say this, but I've read That he said it, he underestimated The situation Uh, And now he's I know you don't want to be critical of the commissioner of the Big Ten But now Kevin Warren Is out there on a limb And really, nothing he can do Yeah, well,
1: there's a lot he can do, and that's, he's the commissioner. You know, he's, but the commissioner works directly for the presidents. And if it's overwhelmingly that the presidents say don't play, then, yeah, that's what the commissioner is going to do. So he it's not a dictatorship. He's a very influential person. I don't know him. Uh, Obviously, he's very well respected or he won't become the commissioner of the Big Ten. But, uh, yeah, he jumped right into the fire. You know, he's right into um, a situation that's never occurred before in our great country like this, nothing. So there's no uh, chapter one he can look up or, or uh, uh, some template that he can use to how to handle the situation. He is under the gun. He is getting an intense scrutiny up here. Uh, they are very passionate. The feelings are very raw. I hear it. I see it. And I'm not sure the country feels it as much as they do in Columbus, Ohio. And here's reality, buddy. If Ohio State, Buckeye Nation, And most importantly, student athletes and coaches have to sit and watch the SEC or, say, watch Alabama play South Carolina or Florida, Georgia. And they're sitting there on a Saturday afternoon and they know they've trained and done everything right. And the safety is that they've proven that you can play. That'll be unbearable. It'll be unmerciful what will happen in in this area. I know that. I see it. I feel it. And the scrutiny will be incredible.
0: Well, yes, I think Kevin Warren did underestimate that, although he's a very smart guy and has a great track record. But, hey, that's a decision he might take back if he could. But as you point out, he works for the president, Sim. All right, final one for Coach Urban Meyer on his uh, podcast. And by the way, what, the, the upcoming sh- week is Big Noon, right? When are you doing the Big Noon show next?
1: Yeah, we fly out there uh, next week. We start up. We're covering the Big 12, but we're also covering, you know, we'll cover SEC and ACC. And uh, uh, we're going to a two hour show, you know, last year's one hour. Uh, we're excited. I love the group I work with, and we're
0: anxious to get to work. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting time. <clears throat> All right, I got to bring this up. It's not a pleasant subject for you, but I got to bring it up. <clears throat> and it's a guy, uh, I'm just going to say something the school up north, okay? Uh there was a report that Jim Harbaugh uh, told one of his players, I don't know how accurate this is, uh, that uh, he should get ready to play in October. Now, these things get twisted and turned, you know, social media, whatever. But this came from a fairly good source. And I'm wondering, what do you tell guys? I mean, you want to give them hope and opportunity, right? That's a familiar phase. Do you think there's anything to that, or is that just smoke?
1: No, I think the job of the head coach is to have your team ready to play. If they give you the thumbs up, our coaches have zero influence on this decision. Are they revisiting? They are. Is there science being, uh, and technology about testing that will be improved testing and maybe make it available. So you don't have to uh, contact trace everybody. Uh, that is all happening. So to the head, did, did the coach say that, I'm sure Ryan day said that our job is to, in case they go, let's go. And, uh, so I, I don't know if that I didn't see that, but I'm sure I'm sure if the player said I'm sure it's true.
0: There you go, Coach. Every Meyer does his podcast every week, the best Friday in football. Glad to be with you again, Coach Meyer. Looking forward to the next one. Take care, brother. Today uh, we're going to talk about. My dream football season. Uh, And I've been thinking about this for a long time. 30 years. Dream's about to come true. I just want to say, though, before we do that, that this is a bizarre season, but it also is a season that we might remember for a long, long time. The main thing is, can we get this season in? We still don't know, but things are looking up on this Football Friday. Next week, we have a new member of this cast. He'll also have a podcast or a show. Terry Bradshaw, the great Terry Bradshaw, joins the best football in Friday. Best, best Fridays in football, excuse me. It's still a new name. And Terry will have his thoughts on who knows what. Terry is all over the place. You want to talk fishing? You want to talk, you want to talk horses? You want to talk football? Whatever. Terry's got it. So he'll be joining the program regularly on Friday. We have other cast members coming aboard over the next few weeks. The heart of this, of course, is the Urban Meyer podcast, which we're so glad to be able to have and very happy that Urban has chosen us to be able to bring it to you along with my partners. Okay, here are a few thoughts from me on my two-minute warning today. A long, long time ago, I had this vision about a super conference. 30 years ago, I wrote about my dream season for college football with Big Boy Football in its own league. This is before the BCS, before the number one and two teams played every year. It's a long time ago. It's the dark ages, folks. No, they did not wear leather helmets. But my thought was, Why not take the best 75, 78, 80 teams in the country from each one of the conferences and put them in separate regions, four primarily, not unlike they do in basketball, let them play in their conference, let them play a couple of intersectional games, and then take the final dozen teams, the best teams, shake them up in a bag, and have a playoff. Then play it down. Also, while we're at it, why don't we get a committee, not a poll? The sport was and is driven by TV. Rating points mean dollars, big dollars. This can offset the loss of what will be these meaningless bowl games. And while we're at it, Let's turn those bulls over to what used to be called Division II or the FCS. Let them have their own league, their own playoffs. I don't want to shove them off the map and kill their programs. Let's just take the best of the best and put them together. That's what America wants to see. Wait a minute. Isn't that pretty much the same version of what we got today? Hey, Nostradamus here 30 years ago. One thing we got here in the SEC where... As of this hour, they're still playing football. Is <clears throat> big time football every Saturday, every game. The most competitive college football season in the history of the game. Let me say it again. The most competitive college football league history in the history of the game. Big boy football, wall-to-wall, is about to take place. And that's even better than my vision I had 30 years ago. No cupcakes, just steak every Saturday. Kudos to the brilliance of Greg Sankey, who was mentored by a female biostatistician. What's a biostatistician? From South Carolina, who told him, Take as much time as you can in making your decisions, and you'll have a better chance of making good to good decision. Wow. Well, what a vision there. Who is that person? I want to talk to her. Me? I'm going to enjoy steak every Saturday. The only problem is, I'm not going to have much of an appetite next season for cupcakes. Once again, let me thank some special folks today. Appreciate their support and what they're doing here on this show. And in coming weeks, we'll tell you more about who they are. The special group of people, the Ocala Quarterback Club, which has been celebrating football since 1955. Also, Gator Bait Lighthouse Builders, Truth, Honor, Dignity. Very proud to be a member of this group of 30 people. Several of them have stepped up to help us do this, including Jeffrey Meldon of Meldon Law, where you matter most, including Dr. Jim Duke, the Orthopedic Institute, including Lauren and Marcia Meadows, Laurel Gators up in Ohio, and Gators superfan, my friend Sissy Long, in memory of her beloved Chuck. Also, to my friends at Renstar Medical Research, Mary Brantley and Joe Sorrentino, Renstar Medical Research seeking tomorrow's answers. With the health questions of today that's a wrap today on the best Fridays in football hope you enjoyed the show we'll be giving you more information next week about how you can get involved in it and I want to thank Irvin Meyer I want to thank Brendan Martin and others for making it possible have a good day folks and we'll talk to you next week around the same time the best Fridays in football I'm Buddy Martin